on the show today, we're talking about brain hacking so that you can uncover the bigger you. And also, what would you ask Gene Krantz, that's the flight director of Apollo 13, if you could get him alone and ask him anything? Well, I don't have Gene Krantz for you today, but my guest did. And he's going to share some of his thoughts about how Gene impacted his life. So stay with me. Let's do this. Hey there, you're listening to the Living a Limitless Life podcast. I'm Sharon Hughes, and on this show, we talk about mastering your mindset, growing your faith, and becoming the leader you want to be with tips, strategies, and interviews to help you create a life you love. I'm really glad you're here. So come on, let's go. Joining me on the show today is a good friend of mine, Chris King. He's a high-performance executive coach, a motivational speaker, and he's going to talk about how you can be the bigger you. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. So good to see you. It is great to have you here. You know, Chris, you've been at this game of coaching executives for a while, and I hate to call it a game, but it is kind of a, it's a mindset game, right? It really is. That's that's going to be where everything uh, where everything comes from. So yeah, that's exactly what it is. Tell 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 me, remind me, and just so the audience audience gets to hear it. How did you come into the space of coaching high level executives? Yeah, uh, the, well, I'll give you the short version of the story. Uh, you know, my my background is is rather diverse. I I went through. You know, I was a marketing director for a marketing services company. My background is in tech, doing B2B. And, um, and at one point, I just, I, I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I sent a joke one day. I was listening to uh, Ryan Seacrest. He was on the radio uh, in the afternoon at the time here in LA. And I sent him an email that I thought was a joke. Long story short, I ended up in the studios with him one day on his show. And... I thought that was the most fun and the greatest thing ever. And I went home that night. I was like, I'm in the, everything in my life is wrong. Yeah. And I'm going to go be a radio DJ. And mm-hmm. so I went off, I, I left my six figure career to make $12 an hour part time <laughs> and trying to figure out how to survive in LA on that. Right. And I was chasing a dream. And so, mm-hmm. um, so I have a history of this kind of thing of disrupting myself and going in a direction that is more aligned with where I want to go and who I want to be and how I want to live. And, uh, and I've done this reinvention of myself a few times now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I, and I, fortunately I had some really great mentors along the way. Um, you know, back in 2001, I actually got to spend some time with Gene Kranz, who was the flight director for Apollo 13, mm. uh, not an option that was Gene and, uh, and Gene taught me a lot and, and gave a lot of language to things that I had experienced in terms of, you know, goal attainment and how to really make the impossible possible. And, uh, and so when I realized that there were so many other people out there that were stuck in certain paradigms, trapped in their career, they wanted to do something else and move in a different direction, or they really liked what they were doing. They just wanted more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, you know what? I know how to do that. <laughs> That's so interesting. Okay, you got to back it up a little bit. Back up the bus. And how did you end up collaborating with Gene? That's amazing. It, I, I got very lucky. Gene was invited to come. I, I was working for a tech company at the time uh, up in Northern California. 
and they invited Gene to come in to do kind of like a, like a speaking engagement, basically. Mm-hmm. And I just got to spend some time with them. So I started asking questions and, mm. it, and he was just such an interesting guy. And, um, and ultimately what, what it really boiled down to was, was really that, that phrase. He, there were a couple, if you saw the movie in the, in the nineties with Tom mm-hmm. Hanks, right? Yeah. There are some, there are some great sound bites out of that movie where there's, there's one spot where Gene says, I don't care what anything was designed to do. I care about what it can do. Right. Mm. And, uh, and, and then of course, failure is not an option. And fast forward a few years, I ended up working, um, for a hospital and uh, doing marketing and PR and they assigned me the Neuroscience Institute. So I got an accidental education on neuroscience and neurobiology Wow! doing all this collateral material and working on events and working with the physicians and doing all this stuff. And I got really geeked out on it. And, um, and so what I started to understand was what Gene had taught me and what my own experience was through the lens of neuro and then uh, also through the lens of psychology and spiritual psychology where, where I did my intentional education. Uh, all of this sort of came together and I was just able to figure out how to create systems and processes that, uh, that would really work with anybody because it would cope with their mental framework, with their operating system. Wow. That is so fascinating. So it was, it was truly by accident. It was a ended up. I love that because I keep going career, on that stuff too. <laughs> yeah, my, my career is like a, a coffee shop at 2.30 in the morning. It's not where I intended to go. It's just where I ended up, right? <laughs> um, but when I got there, it was like the best thing ever. I, I can't imagine doing anything else with my life at this point. Oh, I love that. Okay, so you work with high-level executives. Mm-hmm. That's a lot different than working with your average Joe that needs coaching to reach their goals? Well, I, I work with average Joe too. I mean, that does, that does happen. Um, and, and Joan as the case actually, uh, yeah. maybe the average Joan. Yes. Uh, so it, it really, it, it's more about who the person is and kind of how they're wired than their status in life or, or where they are. Um, my, my clients tend to be in their 30s and 40s, and, and I've worked with people that are in well-established, large organizations, and I've worked with startups that are bootstrapping it. So mm-hmm. because ultimately, if, if, if we run this through the lens of neuroscience, right, mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, anything that's happening in an organization or in somebody's life, whatever, is a result. And we back that out of what's it a result of? It's a result of actions that they took. Those actions, backing up further, are driven by feelings, always. Mm-hmm. Backing up further, those feelings are how they experience their thoughts. And those thoughts are given birth to by what we call a belief system. You know, we're all carrying around a belief system in our head. That's like an operating system on your phone, right? Right. And most people don't know what that system is or how it works, but it's been written since about the time they were six years old, and it's driving everything in their world, business, personal, mm-hmm. or otherwise. Mm-hmm. So if we can hack that system and understand it and rewrite the code, then we can get a different alignment through that chain and ultimately a different result. Okay. So that sounds really complicated to <laughs> hack in and rewrite the code. So break it down in layman's terms. Like what, is, what does that process actually look like? Uh, it starts... It starts with language, actually, because the way we phrase everything says a lot about somebody's framework. So we'll actually start literally changing the way people, teams, individuals speak. 
Mm-hmm. So an example of what I'm talking about is, is the first thing we do is we, we adopt a level of 100% responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means, you know, ownership. Responsibility is not fault in this world. It means mm-hmm. ownership. Once we take okay. ownership of something, we can affect it. You know, like if, if I don't own this, uh, th- this phone, I can't affect it or do anything with it. But the second I make it mine, I can do whatever I want. with it. So, mm-hmm. so for example, some, if we take ownership of something, a lot of people will say, I, I didn't have time. Mm-hmm. Well, we all have 24 hours in the day. So we, we make a simple shift in the structure of that sentence. We say, I didn't make time. Mm-hmm. And that puts us in a place of empowerment. Instead of, oh, having time or not having time, it's kind of this victim mentality, have or have not, something that's happening to me. Well, I didn't make time. Okay, right. great. There's no shame or judgment here. It's just let's own that so we can, we, we can empower ourselves to affect that. Okay, so it starts with language. It starts with language. Okay, so step one is language. What's step two? Uh, well, step two is going to be awareness mm-hmm. because as we say, until there's awareness, ain't no choice. <laughs> I like that. So language and awareness. Right. Yeah, you know, I feel like um, right now in, in the coaching space, like awareness is such a buzzword. And a lot of people think that they are self-aware and they are not. They have blind spots, right? Oh, we all do. I mean, I, I have blind spots. I mean, I'm no different than anybody else. I'm running around with my operating system. I, <laughs> I have, you know, I, I, I've trained and learned and I have a lot of experience of stepping outside that system and looking in at it. I'm still looking in at it, having that system and framework. So, you know, one of the, the things that you'll hear in the coaching world is that the best coaches have coaches. Mm-hmm. And I'll right. call my coach and, and ask him, I say, how, what, what am I missing here? And he'll say something to me and I'll think, how did I miss that? <laughs> right. It's kind of like the obvious thing. You, we right. always miss the obvious thing. Okay. Yeah. Can't see the forest through the trees, you know? Okay. What are some examples of say a high level executive that's grinded mm-hmm. it out that has some blind spots that they might need to be aware of because I'm sure some of them are tuning into the show Mm -hmm. so that they can be a little self-aware and do a little self-evaluation. So Mm -hmm. what, what's a blind spot or two that you can think of that they should be aware of? Uh, well, I would say, you know, in this world, what we say is how you relate to the issue is the issue, Mm. right? So it's, it's understanding how am I relating to this situation? What is the meaning making that's going on and what is happening? Um, if you can successfully do that and, and repeat that process in, in other situations, you're going to start identifying patterns. Mm-hmm. Because what we say in, in, in this world is how you do anything is how you do everything. Right. Uh, the brain likes to be really efficient. So it, when it learns to do something over here, it wants to apply it there, 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 and there. So it goes across mm-hmm. the board. Mm-hmm. So we start to identify these patterns. And um, I have a, a client right now who's he's very high level. He's in the food industry. He works with the, the top chefs here in LA and, you know, including uh, Wolfgang Puck's organization, uh, works with a lot of A-listers. And he had a blind spot that um, he, he didn't understand at the time or he didn't notice that he was holding these people because they are so high level. He was holding them as kind of above him, better than him, something mm-hmm. like that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, 
this was a very old paradigm. He'd been doing this since about sixth grade. Like those kids are somehow elevated above him. When Mm -hmm. we were able to recode and shift his framework to realize that he is there with them, like Mm -hmm. right in alignment with them, Mm -hmm. everything shifted for him. He was really able to more powerfully embrace that actually in the food world, a lot of those people were not nearly at his level. And so the paradigm shifted, his confidence goes up, this changes Mm -hmm. his thought, his feelings. And when Mm -hmm. you change again through the lens of neuroscience, we changed his belief system, which changed the thoughts, which changed the feelings, feelings drive actions and actions produce results. So as that became different, the results became different and his business just has been skyrocketing. That is so interesting. Wow. I just got off of a call with someone when we were talking about those types of perceptions about how, like when we judge others and not judging in quote a negative way, but judging in the opposite way of looking at them, like that person has got it all together and they're elevated above us. We just had this conversation and it's so interesting that we all do that. You walk into a cocktail party, you size up the people in the room, you think they've all got it together mm-hmm. and that you don't mm-hmm. and you respond completely different in that environment. It, it really is true. I'll tell you an example from my own life. Um, I told a very old story about um, other people and like they had advanced degrees and they had all this. And for, for any number of reasons that I could support logically, right? I'm going to tell a lot of stories that support that. Well, here's the reason why I'm less than this person and less than that person. And I realized something, you know what, maybe, maybe in the marketing world, that mm-hmm. might've been true. Mm-hmm. In my world though, when I'm in my zone of genius, my area of mastery, Mm-hmm. They're nowhere near where I am. So it's not a question of like somebody being better than somebody else. It's just a question of who's in their zone, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if I can figure out what your zone is mm-hmm. and help you get into it, all of these stories about how you're not enough are just gone because it's nonsense. Mm. Okay. Do you want to you wanna do that with me? Do you want to see how to get me in my zone? <laughs> <laughs> it would probably take more time than we have, but I think you're, you're pretty self-aware, you know? So I am pretty you, self-aware. Have a, you have a pretty good idea of uh, what your natural skills, talents, abilities are, your natural aptitudes, also what your learned skill, skills and abilities are. And, and some of the things that you might um, you might think you have no talent for, which just might be a question of you know what you've never actually learned that or pursued mm-hmm. it. You know? mm-hmm. So you know, I, you know, for for me, I told the story that like drawing, I could not. I had there was one incident in second grade, and the meaning that I took away from that incident was that I can't draw and I have no talent mm-hmm. for it. And I carried this story all through my life. Mm-hmm. And then one day I had a 20 minute drawing class and all of a sudden I actually could draw a little bit. And that story, it literally, it was just mind blown kind of moment. Right. Yeah. And, and I was like, what other stories have I been telling that are just stories? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There could be any number of them. And I, I was working with a, with a VP at Wells Fargo actually. And he was saying something about how, um, he has these days where he's really crushing it and days where he's really just, you know, he can't, just can't even move. And mm-hmm. he said, it's co- I asked him, what is it costing you to be so, you know, with the lack of motivation? Mm-hmm. And he said, oh man, it's costing me this, it's costing me that, productivity time, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I asked him one simple question. I said, how do you know? 
Mm. And thought about it for a second. And, and I followed it up, you know, a moment later with, what if the reason that you're crushing it on those days is because you've taken a one down and you're so relaxed on those other ones? Hmm. And it just, he had no evidence, no data that this was costing him anything. So mm-hmm. it was just a story he was telling. And it was literally one of those moments that like that, there was a shift. Wow. That's so fascinating. That is really fascinating. Okay. I love that. Okay. We're on a roll here, Chris. <laughs> this is good stuff. Well, thank you. I'm just, it's what I call wandering around the neighborhood. The first time you're hearing my thoughts is the first time I'm hearing my thoughts. So. <laughs> I love it. Okay. You talk about being the bigger you. So yes. what, what does that really mean? All right. So we're going to, we're going to get all heart centered and real here now. Okay. Um, we're going to get heart centered. I love heart centered work. So, um, I, I, I met with, I, I, I just went uh, underwent a new branding initiative and my branding guy had talked to a bunch of my current and former clients. Mm-hmm. And when he presented my business to me through the lens of branding, he understand, he understood my work better than I did. And, um, and one of the things he came up with this, your work is really about uncovering the bigger you. Mm-hmm. Now, while I fall under the umbrella of business coach, uh, you know, consultant, something like that, my work and the way that I do it is very different than the blocking and tackling where a business coach might come in and, and uh, you know, be an accountability partner for sure. And then might also have some ideas on some of the blocking and tackling. Well, structure your organization this way, hire these people, fire those people, uh, run mm-hmm. these marketing campaigns. There's mm-hmm. very little of that um, mm-hmm. in my work. And, and I'll explain this through the lens of a story. It's a really good story. I don't think it's a true story, but it's a good story. So I tell it. Anyway. <laughs> I love it. There, there, he, he said it folks. Right. It might not be true, but it's good. So he's telling it. Right. Quote me, as, quote me as saying it may not be true. Um, I love it. But the story, the story theme is about what they call releasing the angel, right? Okay. The story goes that, uh, when Michelangelo created the statue of David, they had asked him when he was finished, how did you do it, right? How did you create David, this incredible sculpture, out of this big block of marble? Mm-hmm. And Michelangelo allegedly said, I didn't create David. David was already in there. I just had to remove all the stuff that wasn't him. Mm. This is exactly the core of the work that we do in the way that we do it. Um, if the last time you moved, you discovered very quickly that you own way more stuff than you think you do. Right. And if you speak to a wealth manager, a CPA, a, 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 you know, anybody that works in finance banking, they can show you that you have a lot more money than you think you do. And coaches will even show you that you have more time than you think you do. Mm-hmm. We can show you that you have more you than you think you do. And we love that. We can maximize that, bring it fully forward. And several things happen. Number one, you become more, you become whole again, integrate, you can integrate uh, integrity, right. In terms of wholeness Mm -hmm. and fully integrated, fully self-actualized. And all of the things that were previously missing that had been covered up have now been uncovered to reveal the bigger you making you, Mm. making you more creative, making you, more, uh, more, certainly more powerful, more accountable, more effective, more efficient. This, all of this stuff speaks to the bottom line. And when we're doing our job right, we can really get into what athletes call the zone where we're yes. really, yeah. 
Yes. Okay. I want to be in the zone. You want to be in the zone? I want to be in the zone. I see when I'm interviewing for my show, I'm definitely in the zone, but I'm, I'm more in a somewhat like I am proactive because I'm guiding some of the questions, but I feel like I'm also receiving so much. So it's not like the full zone. I think the full zone is when I'm at a speaking event and I'm pouring into other people. Mm-hmm. Because that's where I feel like I'm, you know, I'm helping other people. I'm, I'm using my purpose and mm-hmm. pouring into others, just helping others. That's, that's mm-hmm. my zone. Mm-hmm. But I when can't you, be on a stage speaking all the time. Right. Like every single day. Like it, it just doesn't work with life and reality. Right. Well, that's why you, you have the opportunity to train for it, right? I mean, any, any athlete, they're not on the field or, or on the ice or on the court or on it, you know, all mm-hmm. the time, right? Mm-hmm. So. So we, we train for this kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. once, once we remove all of the things that are in the way, then this gets a lot easier because it's not so much about here, let me give you all this stuff. It's let me get all this stuff out of your way. I love that. No, I feel like I need to like clean stuff out of the way. <laughs> I've never heard it said like that. And it makes so much sense. Everybody is a high performance machine. You everybody, any, anyone listening is walking around with a high performance supercomputer on their, per, on their person all the time. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about their phone. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the brain, right? right? This thing is still, we still don't completely understand it. And, yeah. and it operates so much faster, so much more efficiently, so much more effective and can do so much more than we think it can. Um, and, and a lot of this has to do with our level of, again, I'm going to use the buzzword awareness. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if I, if I can be so bold, one of my favorite self quotes is once we have the awareness, right? Once we make the unconscious conscious, Mm -hmm. we make the impossible possible. Mm. Can somebody do that on their own or do they really need a coach to do this work? Uh, I, I think you can definitely do it on your own. You already have. Um, if, if you've ever been, uh, working on a project, you know, maybe it was a contract or maybe you're writing a book or maybe you're whatever. Um, you been, and you were, it felt like 20, 30 minutes went by mm-hmm. and when you looked up, it had actually been two or three hours and you had just produced this perfect thing, flawless. It was amazing. You just totally crushed it. That's mm-hmm. the zone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the corporate world, we call it flow. Jazz musicians refer to it as being in the pocket where they just seem yeah. like they know what the other one's going to do before they do it. Navy mm-hmm. SEAL not only train for this, they screen for this. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've actually worked with Navy SEALs on leadership development programs mm. and they screen and train for this stuff. It's the ability to get into that state and stay there as long as possible. Because when we're there, we are processing, our brains are processing exponentially faster um, mm-hmm. than they are in, in normal processing time. There's, there's a few books out there. The Sort of the godfather of, of uh, what we call flow is Dr. Csikszentmihalyi. He wrote a book called Flow. And mm-hmm. that was followed up by a guy, Stephen Kotler, who uh, works oh, yeah. at, uh, at the Flow Genome Project. He wrote a book called Rise of Superman. He wrote a couple right. of others. So this is, you know, in, in the neuroscience world, we, we call it transient hypofrontality. The whole world is chasing this right now through psychology. Yeah neuroscience through Mm -hmm. pharmacology. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we have Silicon Beach and Silicon Valley executives that are, that are microdosing on, you know, some pharma to get into that state, to get the the prefrontal cortex offline a little bit to do exactly what I'm saying. Get out of your own way. This does not have to happen through 
you know, any kind of pharmaceuticals. It doesn't, I mean, you can do this through meditation. You can do this by really going offline. And this is why, um, our, our, uh, our hobbies, our recreational activities, our vacations are high performance business tools. And when we don't, you know, when we check our email from, from Hawaii, you're, mm-hmm. you're, just, you're doing yourself a disservice. Right. Right. Okay. So if they're taking low dose pharmas, it's like that movie that Bradley Cooper was in limitless. You know what? I never saw that. You should watch it. And this I'm is the limitless life podcast. So I don't know. Are we onto something here? We're onto something. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's fun. Okay. So I'm kind of at an impasse here. This will be rambling (laughs) over the place. No, this is great, but I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to edit this out because all of a sudden I'm like, wow, this was so good. It's almost, I feel like I'm drinking it in and needing to process it. Well, yeah, there is a lot of processing. And I'll tell you the, what, what really blows me away and, and my business for, um, well, I understand it now. I didn't understand it when it happened. Um, but my, my organization and the client base tends to skew female um, mm-hmm. because the, the work that we do and the way that we do it appeals to a very broad range of women and a, and a much narrower range of, of men because it does require a level of, of emotional intelligence and awareness. Um, mm-hmm. The interesting thing is that my organization actually is a little bit more efficient most of the time uh, working with women because they dig in and do the work a lot quicker, whereas mm-hmm. men tend to sort of hesitate and play with it a little while. And I, I think I know why. I have a theory. Um, as a man, I'm typically really high on my priority list, like top mm-hmm. three most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in my experience... Most women out there are pretty much dead last on their priority list. Everything else comes first. It's the marriage mm-hmm. and the kids and her job and her mm-hmm. mom and the house and yeah. all the stuff she has to do. And she ends up getting leftovers of her own life, right? Right. So what happens by the time they come to me, and, and they'll toe that line for a yeah. long time. It's true. By the, by the time they get referred to me, uh, they're just ready to go. It's that They're like, that's it, line in the sand. Chris, you tell me and I'll do it. And they yeah. just go. And so men sort of hesitate a little bit before they get going because they're not in as much pain. They're addressing it Mm. sooner. And Mm -hmm. so, um, so we remove all the stress and the overwhelm and the burnout and the, um, the upset with, with the husbands and, you Mm -hmm. know, all this kind of stuff. And once all that stuff's gone, their life just is so much faster, more efficient. Um, they have more them in their life. Um, Dr. Robert Holden has a great quote. He said, uh, if it seems like something's missing from your life, it's probably you. Oh, drop the mic right there. (laughs) Yeah. That's a truth bomb for sure. Yeah. Well, I can tell you after, you know, I was married a really, really long time and raising kids and, and it's, there's, there's a societal pressure that women buy into that we have to do it all and we have Mm -hmm. to look good while we're doing it. Yes. And then at the end of the day, you have to work more. (laughs) Yeah. And you're just exhausted at the end of the day after you've taken care of the house, like all the things that you just said, the house, the kids, your husband, um, run a career Uh and and look good in high heels while you're doing it. And heaven Mm -hmm. forbid that you age while you're doing it. 
Oh we yeah, stay. and don't we do live in LA. Pounds. Don't gain a pound or two. No, no. So yeah, when they come to you, I can see they are just spent, and they're like, okay, tell me mm-hmm. what to do. I totally get it. That mm-hmm. really resonates. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's particularly true for women in their 30s and 40s. The the women that I work with um, that are in their late 20s, and they might be, uh, they you know they might be bootstrapping a startup or something like that. I work mm-hmm. with a lot of tech and early stage companies. Um, but then I'll get women, uh, you know, late thirties to mid forties that work for, um, very old school organizations and industries that are still very much boys clubs, accounting, for example. Um, you know, these are not, these are heavily male dominated. Um, there's one, I won't mention the organization, but they, they hire at a ratio of one to one male to female. By the time you get to senior manager level, 15% female. Because they're expected to work 20% more for 20% less, and they're expected to just do everything and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was working with uh, a managing director at one of these organizations, and uh, she, you know, married two kids, uh, two special needs kids at home under the age of 10. She was overwhelmed, mm-hmm. burned out, pretty annoyed with her husband because he wasn't pulling his weight. And, you know, I worked with her for about a year and a half, and mm-hmm. her ability to align herself with an outcome. She's completely reinvented her job, um, within the organization. Uh, and she, which, which is pretty surprising because it's a, mm-hmm. it's an organization where you're just a cog in the machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has completely pivoted and realigned herself from her mental framework, uh, to the thoughts and the feelings and the actions and everything with a new intended outcome. Um, you know, the marriage did not survive, um, which, you know, sometimes happens when, mm-hmm. when one person is on a, a hockey stick trajectory of evolution and the mm-hmm. other just wanting them to stay where they are. Mm-hmm. You know? And I actually sometimes warn clients, I said, look, how good is your marriage? Because this mm-hmm. woman is going to create a lot of change and that change may, you know, create some problems or static. So, um, but her ability to honor her experience you know, cause we don't stuff our feelings down or anything like that. That's not healthy, right. From a psychological mm-hmm. standpoint. So, mm-hmm. you know, she honors her experience. She allows the experience, has the experience and her ability to realign herself is, I mean, it, it might be better than mine. Honestly, she's, she's so good at it and just, just so powerful. It's, it's really, it reminds me why I do this work, frankly. It's like, Oh, right. That's why I do this mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And you just made such a good point about asking, you know, how healthy is your marriage? Because it's so common to see when somebody starts to growing that the partner, if they're not on the same page, they're not on a growth journey as well and supporting Mm -hmm. that they get really intimidated and and Mm -hmm. the relationship gets dicey. Yeah. This, this actually kind of speaks to a big part of my why actually. Um, Mm -hmm. I've, I have two failed marriages in my past. Um, so I got married in my 20s. My first wife had bipolar disorder. I had a rebound marriage in my 30s. And, and then, you know, I realized after that ended that, you know what, maybe, you know, what, what, what do all of my, you know, both my ex-wives and all of my ex-girlfriends all have in common? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. maybe I got some stuff going on. I should stop marrying everybody <laughs> and do some work. And, um, but what I, what I came to realize, um, and, and this, I think this really speaks to the why as far as, uh, especially why, as to why I do this and why I work with women, um, uh, primarily work with women is that when I come across a fully 
self-actualized woman, right? Mm-hmm. Who is in integrity, in wholeness. She knows who she is and she is unapologetic about it. And I'm mm-hmm. not talking about the diva here, but I'm talking yeah. about a real queen that just mm-hmm. so centered and knows who she is. Something mm-hmm. very interesting happens to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot be the kind of goofball that I was in my past. I need to level up. If I'm going to mm-hmm. run with her at that level, mm-hmm. I, she's the queen, I better be the king. Right. And because I won't be able to match up. And, and, I, and because we're a society of men primarily raised by women, we're, we're used to taking our cues from them. My hope is that the more of these queens I can uncover, and I use that word intentionally, uncover, because I'm not creating them. I'm just uh, helping them uncover themselves, right? Right, right. The more we can uncover, hopefully the more of these men out there will rise up to meet them, and we won't have the idiots online dating and all the poor behavior, (laughs) terrible text messages and all the offensive statements. And maybe all of that stuff will go away. And at least if nothing else, the men that can't level up, they're just going to fade into the background. (laughs) So, you know, and, and look, you know, if we look at the current state of affairs, I, I do believe that we need more feminine energy guiding the planet. Now, sometimes that means that more women are in charge and running companies and countries and organizations. You know, it doesn't mean that, you know, they need to take over or something, but feminine energy guiding. Mm -hmm. Um, I I once heard that if you want to create a psychopath, remove all the feminine from from a man. (laughs) And as I look at our society that is kind of patriarchal and skews male, I'm like, we're a little out of balance, baby. (laughs) Maybe we can balance this out. Like everybody kind of rises up. And that's kind of my Machiavellian scheme to help the world. I love it. Boy, brutal honesty. I really appreciate oh, I was, it. I, I can't, I don't, I can't, I won't use the adjectives that I would use as judgments against myself or who I was, you know. Back. <laughs> well, we're oh, all on the there. journey of becoming, you know, our better selves for sure. And, right. and really, isn't it that that's the beauty of being on the journey is that you're not the same person that you were 10 years ago. I mean, I know I'm not even the same person that I was a year ago. No, that's very true. And, you know, these things happen, they can happen pretty quickly. Um, It just depends on your level of, of commitment, you know, in the, Mm -hmm. in the racing world, we say speed's just a question of money, how fast you want to go. Mm-hmm. world, I will say evolution is just a question of commitment, you know, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. how fast and far you want to, you want to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, it's interesting though, of just like looking back, um, even over the last year, a year ago, starting a podcast was not on my radar. Mm-hmm. And, and so here I am, I'm doing something new. And when I look at people that are the same person today that they were a year ago or five years ago, mm-hmm. I wonder like, are they're missing it. It's, there's, I don't want to say that they're not self-aware because they are in some areas, but they're not realizing that there's more. And I think that's the whole point is that there's so much more. We get kind of comfortable in our day-to-day schedules and that we don't grasp the fact that there's so much more that you could be doing and growing. And if you're not growing, then, then what? Like here you are. Right. Well, you know, my, um, my father once said that even even death isn't death. Now, my father's an electromagnetic compatibility engineer. So, <laughs> give you a okay, <laughs> propeller head, right? Um, and he said once, he said, "Look, even death isn't death." 
because death is still a transition of energy, right? And, and um, you know, there's, you know, first law of thermodynamics, no energy in the world is created and none is destroyed. And we are beings of energy. Even Einstein said everything is energy, right? Okay. So as we transition, even as we, we die, our physical bodies die, we do, there's, a, there's an energy transition inward, you know, out to something else, whatever, right? So it's in, so, so true death only happens in stasis. Mm-hmm. If we're just living the same, doing the same, being the same. Now, this is not to say that that's wrong. I have no judgment about this. It's not wrong mm-hmm. or bad or mm-hmm. quote unquote, shouldn't be doing something else. Mm-hmm. I, I have a buddy who I, I think he basically lives the same life he's been living since we were about 19. <laughs> okay. He's happy, right? No real evolution, no real, but he's happy. So who am I to say that that's wrong? It's just Mm -hmm. not how I choose to move forward. Okay. I get you. I get you. I don't know. I think that I'm so enamored with growth and possibility right now that when I come across those people that are the same Mm -hmm. as they've been since they were 20, I just kind of want to shake them and go, come on, let's go. You're missing out. (laughs) There's so much more. Well, and like I said, until there's awareness, there's no choice. Yeah. This is the word they understand. And look, here's the other thing about growth, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's uncomfortable. Oh, you got that right. (laughs) So a statistic that I saw uh, when I was at the hospital was um, that... 87% of people diagnosed with a lifestyle-related illness Mm -hmm. will not be able to make a change. People would rather die than change, literally. Now, Mm. and and here's kind of some, just some geek science behind it is that, remember I mentioned that little operating system in our head, the belief system. Mm -hmm. All right. So another word for that would be reality. This is reality as you understand it. Okay. And you've been carrying that reality around your age minus six. Now, what most people are going to do is they're going to go out into the world and they are going to unconsciously seek to validate the system in their head that they are not, that they are unaware is running. Mm-hmm. So give mm-hmm. an example of what I'm talking about. Okay. Let, I, I'm uh, tracking with you. I like this. Yep. I got it. So, so if, if, if a, uh, a girl at age five, her parents get divorced and dad leaves, Mm -hmm. witness that event and she will assign meaning to it. Right. Maybe the meaning that she assigns is that men leave. That's just what men do. Yep. She's going to grow up and she's going to go out in the world and she is going to unconsciously Mm -hmm. and actively seek partners that are likely to bail because she has a radar for it. And this mm-hmm. is her understanding. Right. So she's going to go out. She's going to find these guys. They're going to bail on her, proving her reality is true. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason that we do this is because if I can go out in the world and prove that what I think is real actually is real, that means I understand the world. And in that understanding, I feel I know how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. And feel safe in it. Yeah. Now, people are so married to this. Let's say that girl goes out and she makes a mistake. She finds a guy that doesn't fail mm-hmm. and he stays in it. Mm-hmm. Then what she's going to do is she's going to actively go on a campaign to get him to bail. Mm-hmm. She's doing all kinds of things because mm-hmm. if he doesn't bail, the world isn't what she thought it is. And this puts her into a state of threat response, right? Fight Mm -hmm. or flight. Mm -hmm. 
Fight, mm-hmm. flight, freeze, or faint. She's literally living in threat response as if mm-hmm. a bear is about to eat her because mm-hmm. this guy won't leave her. Mm-hmm. So, and this is what I'm talking about recoding and realigning. So mm-hmm. if she wants to get married and have children, she has a code in there that is preventing her from doing that. So we need to hack the system, find the code, mm-hmm. rewrite it and realign it that, oh, men are safe. Men do stay, men, whatever. And that way she will go out. She will seek to prove that reality. She mm-hmm. will be successful in that. She will be married. She will have kids. She will grow old. And then uh, everybody's happy. Yeah, this is this aligns with the work that I do with women that have self-worth issues that mm-hmm. stay stuck in that that pattern, the subconscious mm-hmm. pattern that you just illustrated. It was like it's going really really deep of what do you believe about yourself and the world around you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and breaking that pattern so that they can have healthy patterns to foster healthy relationships and make values-based decisions. Yeah. What, whatever you think, you're right. Yeah. If you, if you think you are, I, 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 it doesn't matter how tall you are, how short you are, how round you are, how thin you are. It, if, if you think you are beautiful and sexy and smart and all these things, you are. If you think you are frumpy and unattractive and undesirable, you are. It's just, yeah. it's a question of your self-concept. We, we, we rise to the level of our self-concept. Change your self concept, mm-hmm. change everything. So good. Now, so easy to say. <laughs> this is not comfortable work. No, no. It's and and I always say in referring to, you know, what I went through, and you know some of my story, it was mm-hmm. a bloody street fight. Not mm-hmm. literally, but mm-hmm. emotionally and doing that inner work. It it was a fight to get out of it. Yeah. This this is some of the hardest work that you'll ever do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I promised my clients two things. I said, I promise you uh, that you will have success in this. Mm-hmm. And I promise you that it will not be, it, it is very unlikely that it will be easy. I will promise you that the juice is worth the squeeze. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't say it's mm-hmm. easy. I will tell you it's worth it. Um, yeah, it's so worth it. I know for me, it was the, I always call it the hardest easy thing because mm-hmm. it's easy to say it. And it's, and it's easy if you just are standing outside of yourself looking at the steps, but it's mm-hmm. the hardest thing ever when you're in the middle of it, fighting to break that pattern. Right. And it's so worth it. Me personally, I can attest getting on the other side of it. It's so worth it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've said anything that's revolutionary here. I haven't said anything that people don't already know. And, and all the thought leaders, you know, that are, that are in this bubble with, you know, the, Tony Robbins and Brendan Bouchard and Alison Armstrong and uh, Kyle Cease and uh, all these, you know, all of these thought leaders, they're all saying the same things in slightly different packages, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and this work, this work is, it's very simple. It's just not easy. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you said things that are revolutionary because undoubtedly there are people that will hear this show that have, this has not been on their radar. Like all of a sudden it's going to resonate. They're going to go, oh, now I get it. Now I know why. Like, Uh, I think it just, the message bears repeating by all the voices that are vested in this space of helping other people be free and whole. Like mm -hmm. it's important work. It can change the world. Like literally this will change the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just, just changing yourself even a little bit invariably changes your dynamics. And I'll tell you what, 
every relationship that you have in your life, your relationship to other people and your relationship to other things Mm -hmm. is all derived from your relationship to yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you have an amazing relationship with yourself, you're going to have amazing relationships to people and things. Mm -hmm. So if something seems off, you know, and, and looking for those patterns, what are the patterns in all the jobs that I used to have? Mm-hmm. What, you know, and not just the, the thing itself, but what did it mean to me? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the patterns in all the relationships I've had? What are the, you know, where and how am I, again, ownership, what am I doing to recreate these patterns? Yeah. It's so worth doing the work. And, you know, I especially want to speak to women that have kids because it's important to leave the right legacy behind. And as a mom, we have the power to break the patterns. Because a lot of women like myself, we learned this pattern from our mothers who learned the pattern from their mothers. And you can basically break what's been holding generations so that your children can be more successful and healthy and feel Mm -hmm. good in their skin. It's really important. I love it's this. what we call intergenerational family patterns. I yes. can see them. I, I traced my genealogy and started looking at the relationships through there. And I'm, mm. I'm, I'm quite skilled at identifying patterns. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, look at this. There's a mm-hmm. lineage of this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I called my sister. I was like, you realize you can be the one to break this? Like, you <laughs> can be the one to break this. And it's, it, it's incredibly powerful. Um, um, you know, I have two... Uh, two pseudo stepdaughters or would be stepdaughters. And, um, you know, their, their mom and I had a, had a relationship and we broke up, but I, we agreed that I could stay connected to the kids. And so, um, and it's the idea that I get to show up for these girls in a way that, you know, their, their dad's not, or, or can't. And, and the way that I can show them, through my relationship with their mom now, how it can shift and change. It doesn't have to be ugly and dramatic. It doesn't have to get to this point and end in that way. You know, it was a paradigm shift for them because they're 13 mm-hmm. and 15 now and they have a 17 year old brother. And it's, it's like, wow, this, I, I really hope that this has affected them in a positive way mm-hmm. where they understand that relationships are kind of wide open. They can be whatever you design them to be and Mm co-create. Yeah. I love that. Gosh, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. You've added so much value. This has just been an amazing conversation about, you know, perception and, and how you frame things and becoming healthy. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you. I, I appreciate the opportunity and thanks for letting me just babble on. This is uh, kind of <laughs> what happens. Uh, you get me, I, because I love this so much, you know, getting me to talk about it is the easy part. Getting me to shut up. That's, that's the truth. So, <laughs> you know, if I've said anything too fast or if I've missed anything, you know, you send me an email, I'll, I'll explain or whatever. <laughs> no, you're fantastic. So once again, everything is going to be listed below in the show notes. If you'd like to connect with Chris, he is at chrismking.com and his Instagram is chrismikeking. And one thing that I forgot to mention is that you also do motivational speaking. So if somebody in the audience has heard this conversation and would really like to bring Chris in to speak to your team or lead a mastermind, you definitely need to reach out to Chris. He brings so much value as you've heard. So once again, thanks, Chris. Thank you. So good to see you. You too. 
Hey friends, thank you for joining me for another episode of amazing content. I'm blown away. Chris really added a ton of value and I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what your aha moment was. Everything's linked for you below in the show notes. I'd really appreciate it if you would share this content out so somebody else can get their aha moment. And until next time, as always, I wish you every good thing.